0: Hello, my name's Stephen Dickens, and you're here on the I'm a Mainframer podcast from the Open Mainframe project. I'm joined today by Andy Eunice and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Andy's from Rocket Software, and thousands of companies depend on Rocket Software every day to solve their most challenging business problems by helping them run existing infrastructure and data, as well as to extend those assets. To take advantage of cl- cloud, mobile analytics, and future innovations. Andy jo- is joining us, as I say, and he was a co founder of the company back in 1990 uh, and has served as the CEO for over 30 years. Thanks for joining us, Andy. Great for you to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Andy, I'm looking at, we've known each other for a few years now. And I'm looking at the introduction that the team's given me. There's some just some fantastic things. I didn't realise that you'd been the CEO for with Rocket for 30 years and were a co-founder. So maybe just let's start there. Could you just tell me a little bit about that and how you the business got into mainframes and and kind of get us orientated to get us started?
1: Yeah, so going all the way back to 1990, um, I had worked for a uh, Kind of a small startup company here in the Boston area. Uh, we were building mainframe products, uh, products that ran on the mainframe. That were solving really uh, interesting problems for mainframe customers. The small startup company I worked for got bought out by a larger company um, down in Washington, D.C. I wanted to stay in the Boston area, and I had some ideas of new products, new solutions to bring to market, and so uh, started Rocket with a colleague of mine. And from the very beginning, we we made some important decisions. One is that we were going to begin our journey, uh, begin Rocket's journey in the mainframe space. Um, we knew the customers well, we knew the technology well, and we knew the, we knew the types of problems that those customers wanted to solve. Uh, we also made a very important decision from the very beginning to partner with IBM. Um, back in 1990, you know, we could have made other decisions, but um, we we really we really wanted to stay close to IBM and IBM customers. And so, you know, those two decisions about let's make sure we start with our footing in the mainframe space, and let's make sure we start with being a good IBM partner, um, you know, those really set the direction for Rocket for the next you know, 30 years um, of our journey.
0: And I'm looking here, it started out from you and a, a sort of colleague, and now you're up to over 1,500 employees. That must have been a pretty wild ride over the last sort of 30 years. Can you kind of give us a, some color commentary on what that's been as you've grown to that sort of size and scale?
1: yeah we started here in the boston area um and we started you know hiring engineers we were going to be a very engineering centric company uh that's my history i'm a software engineer uh, and i've actually uh, first got introduced to mainframes in the early 80s after i graduated from college um and i knew when we built rocket we were going to be good at a few things. One is we were going to be good at engineering, we are going to build really good products, and and two, we were going to be good to engineer, we were going to treat engineers well. And so in our early days, we were hiring engineers, and uh, we were small, and we were not venture back. We bootstrapped the company, it grew as fast as we could bring on our next customer, um, and so it grew slow and steadily. And there was a time where we needed more engineers and we just couldn't hire them fast enough. And we decided maybe a strategy would be to acquire businesses that had good engineers, good engineering talent, good products. And so um, one of the first things we did was acquire local Boston-based businesses Mm. that had good engineers and good engineering talent. And that's uh, one way that we have been able to grow not only our customer base and our product set, but our our rocketeers and so our growth from zero to fifteen hundred engineers has happened organically uh, but it's also happened inorganically through our acquisitions, and we've acquired and grown all over the world, so even though we 're here in boston we're based here in the Boston area um, we have engineers in many locations, including India. We have a, a couple of labs there in China, um, in the Netherlands, you know, all throughout Europe, in Australia. So it's been global growth, and we've been finding great engineers and engineering talent uh, all over the world. And what's also interesting is that sometimes we acquire engineers with really strong mainframe skills. Uh, But most of the time, we're hiring good engineers, introducing them to the mainframe, uh, and and they're doing amazing things in that uh, technology landscape once we unleash their capabilities onto that just awesome platform. So so our growth has been interesting, acquiring mainframe talent and just really good engineering talent and letting them learn and uh, grow in the mainframe space.
0: Well, it's interesting. I mean, from the way you describe it, Mainframe's been at the core of the business for that 30 years, still the core of the business today. We obviously get a lot of feedback, and the industry's got a perspective on Mainframe, and part of these podcasts are trying to reshape that perspective. But why do you think Mainframes, from your perspective, are still the go-to platform, go-to tool, go-to sort of infrastructure? for so many of the industries that we see them deployed in.
1: And so I I obviously hear hear this a lot and um you know talk a lot about this. You know look when rocket started in 1990 I did receive a lot of advice um an overwhelming amount of advice that it it probably didn't make sense to start a mainframe centered company around the time when you know, back then, client-server was all the rage. Client-server was the next big wave. Uh, and you can imagine, over the past 30 years, multiple other waves have come and gone, and the general uh, wisdom is, you know, you probably shouldn't continue to focus on mainframe. But but we, we look at it very differently. Um, as others have run away from the mainframe, we've actually intentionally run toward the mainframe. And the reason for that is, you know, instead of looking at general, um, wisdom and theory and, um, you know, potentially large macro trends, we, we, we look at our customers and our customers, um, primarily are large global. They're focused on, uh, financial services or insurance or retail or manufacturing or even government services and, Companies, enterprises of those shapes and sizes tend to continue to do a lot of their core business on the mainframe. And in fact, over time, over the past 30 years, the use of the mainframe in those enterprises has grown. Uh, So the number of mainframes today may be less than what it was 30 years ago, but the amount of transaction processing, the amount of data, the amount of... Critical business data uh, and operations still flows through the mainframe. And- and
0: why, why do you think that is, Andy? Why do you think people are still kind of relying on this platform, if you will? I mean, I, I, I know the answer to that. I'm sure you don't know the answer to that. But I think our listeners would be keen to get your perspective. Why are people still seeing this as a platform that can do things that other systems can't?
1: yeah it's as you know it's multiple vectors and and uh, you know you can start in any with any one of them but certainly um, something that you hear a lot about lately and, and especially since the new z14 was launched you hear people talking about this more uh, you can say start with security the mainframe is a trusted computing platform it's it's Extremely implicitly trusted in large enterprises, the transaction that flows, transactions that flow through mainframes are secure. The data that flows through and is stored on or close to the mainframe is extremely secure. Um, the horsepower on the mainframe that allows you to secure it, encrypt it, protect it um, is is something that uh, is really unparalleled. And and so, it can kind of start there if you're in an industry, if you're in a business where it's absolutely mission critical that the data, the transactions are absolutely secure. Mainframe uh, is really unlike anything else out there. Uh, But it can also be about reliability. It can also be about availability. It can also be about scalability. Um, and so again, there's depending upon how you want to approach it uh the mainframe certainly provides all of that and more and so I think that's historically what what's happened is these large you know transaction processing systems, large amounts of data i mean mainframe did big data before big data was even called big data um, <laughs> you know and so all of that is why the mainframe, you know, is what it is. And then there's, you know, so many interesting things happening now with mainframe that will ensure that it will continue to be not only viable, but mission critical into the future.
0: So, I mean, if that's the good news story, and obviously, you know, I subscribe to that view of the world, kind of what's the challenges? What's If that's the pros column, what's the cons column? What, what's the challenges you see for the platform?
1: The, the challenges, uh, in many ways, are uh, self-imposed by history and by, um, you know, the, the the members in the ecosystem, people who are part of the mainframe ecosystem. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've all heard for so long, uh, you know, the mainframe is, you know, going away, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And so um, you see companies saying, well, I can't find mainframe skills. I can't hire people that know the mainframe. Um, It's Within my IT organization, my employees would rather work on something more, I'm putting quotes around this now, something more modern than the mainframe. Um, And so it's this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy that the people have imposed on themselves. But the fact is, you know the mainframe is as modern as any other computing platform. Uh, the mainframe is now as open as any other computing platform. We see this at Rocket. You you don't have to be my age in 30 years experience <laughs> with the mainframe. You can be in high school or come out of university and be extremely productive on the mainframe right away because all of your favorite languages and tools are there. Now, that doesn't get a lot of press. There isn't a lot of marketing around that that isn't widely known, but if you are a data scientist, all the data science uh, languages that you want are on the mainframe, and, in fact, all the data that you want to analyze is on the mainframe. And so, what a perfect marriage. Why do I need to move that data somewhere else, wait for it to get there, hope it gets there in time or in the right way and integrate it with everything else appropriately so I can do my analytics. Why don't I just do it right on the mainframe itself? Um, and so, kind of a long answer to the myth that, the myth around this is hard to find skills, it's hard to find people. Uh, I need to transform my IT, or IT organization because I can't do what I need to do on the mainframe. All that has really changed, I would say, over the past decade, over the past five years, certainly over the past few years. Um, And and again, we prove that every single day at Rocket. We bring on new uh, rocketeers who are young, who are smart, who are incredible computer scientists, um, and we, we let them apply their skills in this amazing mainframe space, and they're productive and they do amazing things very quickly um, because that platform is as modern as anything else.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. A lot of what you said resonates for me from that kind of open source movement. That's where a lot of the, if you call them college kids and younger professionals are kind of getting into the world of computing. They're getting into that kind of open source movement. And obviously that's why we set up the Open Mainframe Project three years ago now to kind of intersect that part of the market. Rocket's a relatively new kind of member of the open mainframe project. Obviously, as the CEO, can you, can you kind of give us a, a sort of brief description of where you see open source, how you see a community, kind of what role you see the open mainframe project playing in that?
1: You know, so so Rocket has been bringing open source to the mainframe for many many years Uh, we actually started porting popular languages and tools to the platform um, you know over five years ago and uh, but only recently have we joined the open mainframe project and so i think we've been doing some work and I feel so good because now we found kind of a home we found our community uh, within the Linux Foundation within the open mainframe project uh, we're now connected with other uh, people in the ecosystem who who think the way that we do uh, which is that you know we need to bring more and more open source to the platform uh, for the good of the the platform for the good of the ecosystem for the good of the community so so yeah, we're relatively new to the open mainframe project. We are thrilled to be a part of it. Um, we probably should have found it earlier. I don't know why we didn't, but we didn't, and now we're here. We're very happy that we're here. Uh, but we absolutely believe that for the, the the future of really of any platform, right? But mainframe for sure. Um, you know, openness is a key. And I guess what I find really interesting is. And, again, I've been in the space for 30 years, more than 30 years. The the members of the mainframe, you know, community, if you will, um, have been asking for openness for quite a while. And and now with the open mainframe project, they're getting it. Uh, It's available to them. And, um, you know, on the one hand, as an observer, interesting to see, how quickly the community will embrace this openness and, and then what the community will do with it and where they will bring it next. Historically, in the mainframe world, the, the users of the mainframe looked at the, the software vendors to tell them what's going to happen next. Um, that, that's kind of reflexively how the the, the the motions worked for forever, you know, 30, 40, 50 years in the mainframe. Now it's flipping around, which is the community can decide on its own where it goes and use open technology to thrive in that direction. And so that's a new motion for the community. And, um, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how quickly it gets adopted and um, and exploited.
0: Yeah, one of the interesting developments for me, and I was had the pleasure of being out at Share in St. Louis when Zoe was launched, but as you say, it's how do we bring open source and that community, sort of crowdsourcing of development and stewardship of a code base to what has been probably the most closed platform over the decades, ZOS. And I think for me, that intersection of the two is really interesting how a operating system with such a rich history and has been developed so tightly in the past is now embracing open source and that sort of crowdsourced community developed community roadmap development kind of focus that comes from how open source is developed so i mean i'd really be keen to get your view of Kind of why did rocket see zoe as something that was really interesting as the kind of manifestation of open source and and zos Uh, i why were you guys interested why were you so keen to join and maybe where do you see things going if you can give me that as a perspective Andy. yeah
1: so um zoe as you said was was really kind of announced and launched august of last year august of 2018 um and but we had been working on i guess what would would become zoe two years prior and it really came out of conversations we had with with many customers all different industries all different geographies looking for you know kind of common platform capabilities that cut across products and cut across vendors, if you will. Uh, I think for, for too long, customers would see products from different software vendors kind of look and feel differently, get installed differently, get get kind of consumed differently. Uh, and even within, you know, I can tell you even our Rocket products that I'll kind of pick on ourselves, within Rocket we might have, you know, 20 different products and they would all look and feel different and again get kind of consumed differently. And so this desire for commonality um, is something we heard loud and clear from our customers. And so we started on this effort within Rocket um, to, to build this common user experience using modern and open technologies. And you know, we said, but, but what if we could really solve this problem, not just for Rocket, because we're only one small player in this really large ecosystem, what if we could really solve it for the whole community? And at the same time, I know within IBM there were similar conversations. And I know at the time within CA there were similar conversations. And the three of us got together um, and said, you know, what if we brought all this together and made it open for the good of everybody, for the good of the community? So that's kind of how it started. We, Rocket, were big believers in it. We were hoping we could get others, and we were so thrilled that IBM and CA looked at it the same way. Now that it's, you know, kind of Zoe has launched, um, it exists, it's real. Uh, you know, by the way, the Open Mainframe project is the perfect vehicle from uh, from which to launch this thing. Um, so, I mean, the timing couldn't be more perfect, and so now we're looking for other, you know, like-minded people who wanna who want to, not only you know consume but contribute to Zoe, so you know I think it started with this desire for commonality for modern for open that's where it started, and you know where it's where it's going is it is going to be determined by the community, and that's what I'm most excited about. I've talked about Zoe many times in front of many different audiences, and you know this this community that hears the story uh, likes what they hear sometimes a little bit confused about what they hear because they haven't heard about openness before on the z platform uh and then they reflexively say okay what are you going to do next with it and i flip it back and say you know that's not a question you can ask anymore now it's what can you do or what can we do next with it and so the more of us that embrace zoe um the more of us then we will have ideas of where Zoe goes next. And maybe it will be more about user experience and maybe it will be more about CLI or maybe it will be more about APIs or maybe it will be about all of that. But the good news to me is the community gets to decide where it goes and then we all focus our efforts on that.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the questions I always like to ask in these podcasts, you know, so I give you a crystal ball. I give you the ability to look, say, three or five years into the future. Where do you see us landing? So what would the Rocket Software kind of open ecosystem around the mainframe look sort of three to five years out? Where do you think we'll end up?
1: So what I think Zoe will allow um all of us to do is to look back in 5 years and say, you know, back in August of 18, we started to change the conversation and now the conversation is changed. So the mainframe is considered a first class participant in any modern IT, you know, infrastructure architecture Um, you know, application landscape within a customer set um, that, because of ZOE, every single modern language and tool is available on the mainframe, just like it is on any other platform. And that allows IT, you know, senior IT leaders, business uh, decision makers, To say now we can use the best tool to solve the best problem we've got all those tools available to us so we're going to take advantage of mainframe where mainframe makes sense Um, and and I think that's the real game-changer here Zoe is going to allow the mainframe to to be part of that conversation where over the past decade it just wouldn't have been considered Um, you know just think about a data science can happen on the mainframe, uh, not just because some small sector within the IT organization believes in it, but because, you know, the entire organization believes the mainframe is capable of delivering that type of value to, to the business uh, because all of the openness is there. Uh, and I, so I think that's, that's looking back, you know, five years from now, looking backwards, we're going to say it all started in August of 2018 with Zoe.
0: Okay, that's a fantastic perspective, and, I, and and that's where I see us ending up, Andy. So I try and, as I look to wrap up, kind of ask that crystal ball question of where we're looking going forward, but then I'd like to ask a question of, of our guests on the show. What would have been your advice if you'd have had the time machine to kind of go back? And I'll pick 30 years ago as you were starting uh, Rocket. What advice would you have given to the... To the thirty years younger Andy Eunice, as he was looking to sort of found Rocket and and start things out, what would have been, what would be your advice to your younger self? Uh, that's always uh, that
1: always catches you out. Oh, it's
0: that's a great question. Out.
1: Because what I, you know, my answer is, um, you know, have 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 more conviction about what you're doing. Um, look, you know, we again we started this mainframe company in an era where um, everybody was focused on other things. Um, And it took us a while to really, you know, have the confidence to say, you know what, we absolutely love the mainframe. You know, our customers knew that, our employees knew that, our friends at IBM knew that, uh, but we really didn't tell that story loudly, uh, you know, but, but we have recently, I mean, we absolutely, love the mainframe, we love the mainframe customers, we love the mainframe community, and we're not, you know, we're not afraid to say that. And I think if we had that uh, confidence and conviction to say that, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, that would be the advice I would give my younger self. Like, we knew it, we knew this was the right place to be, we knew this was the right place to make our investments. Uh, We were kind of quiet about it for a little bit too long, and now we're not afraid, we're not bashful about it. We love the mainframe, we love the mainframe space, and we're gonna do everything we can to continue this journey that we're we're on to make the mainframe this, this first class participant in, in every IT discussion in every business around the world. So Andy,
0: you've in that
1: last answer probably encapsulated
0: everything I would have said in wrap up of, for our conversation today. That love of the mainframe platform, The desire for that to exist in an open source community, and for us to plan forward to bring new people into this platform and and enjoy working on the platform as much as you've obviously enjoyed it over the last three plus decades, Andy, it's been absolutely spectacular um, to talk to you today. Really enjoyed our thirty minute conversation. Um, Is there anything you'd say as we wrap up?
1: No, look, Stephen, I always appreciate when we get together and talk. Thank you for giving me this opportunity and look forward to continuing the conversation. Uh, We'll, I'm sure, be together at IBM Think in San Francisco in February. And, uh, you know, until then, best of everything, we'll see you in a few weeks.
0: Fantastic. Thank you very much. So that's been Andy Eunice from Rocket Software, the CEO talking us through how Rocket is investing in the mainframe space, how he sees the business going forward and gave us both a look forward five years and a retrospective of the fantastic history of Rocket over the last 30 years. My name's Stephen Dickens. You've been listening to the Open Mainframe Podcast. Please join us for the next episode by clicking subscribe. And thank you very much for your time today.